0: to the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got a lot going on in the Big Ten. We just saw one of the biggest upsets in Big Ten basketball happening this year. Wisconsin goes down to Michigan. Uh, Juwan Howard coached his butt off. Doug McDaniel played his butt off, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Wisconsin just didn't play their best game at the end of the day. We're going to jump into it here in just a minute, but before we do that, I do want to let you know we have Brant from Big Banter Sports CEO with us. We have Evan, new member of Big Banter Sports with the Boiler Breakdown, and then uh, Joe Jackson from Feed the Post, a YouTube channel that I love to watch. He does a great job breaking down film, plays, uh, and for people like me that I'm still learning basketball a little bit, I'm not the best with it, but I get by. Obviously, I'm on a podcast, so I do okay for myself, but I learn stuff from Joe all the time. It's a great time. Brent, how you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing, I mean, I was doing well until I saw Michigan pull off a win Uh, (laughs) with the losing streak that Ohio State's on. That made me feel a little better that Michigan was dealing with the same kind of issues. But to see them kind of right the ship against one of the top teams in the conference, I mean, good for them. But it it always seems like when I hop on one of these shows, something devastating happens with either Ohio (laughs) State losing or Michigan winning. And, And here we are
0: that's like shaps Uh illinois lost that one night and he literally was telling me he was like well, yeah i'll come on the show as long as it doesn't jinx it no jinx it <laughs> <laughs> How it go sometimes evan how are you doing tonight man
2: doing very well i appreciate you guys having
3: me on
0: yeah of course joe how are you doing
3: doing good excited to talk some big 10 hoops
0: Oh yeah, we're gonna have a great time. Do we want to remind you before we get into it? Please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that. If you're listening on podcast later after the fact, uh, go ahead and subscribe. Give us a rating or review over there. And we do want to remind you the Big Ten Huddle is brought to you by Big Banta Sports, BigBank2Sports.com for all your Big Ten media needs. All right, guys, w- w- let's talk about it. Wisconsin goes to Ann Arbor and. Michigan, they were up at halftime. The announcers, I mean, they, they were not going to let anybody with ears not know that Michigan has blown halftime. I mean, I think they mentioned it like 10 times. I was like, guys, we get it. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but in the second half, Michigan kept playing well. Uh, Wisconsin, they were missing some threes, but they were making some to keep it close there at the end of the game. It was just kind of a back and forth game, but Michigan kept pulling ahead and Wisconsin never really seemed to get back there. That's three straight losses for Wisconsin, three straight. Starting with Nebraska last week, Purdue this weekend, and then, of course, the uh, the Wolverines tonight. Joe, what were your thoughts on the game?
3: Yeah, I mean, this is, like you said, um, huge for Michigan, being able to actually hold a second-half lead and get the win. And it wasn't even like, I mean, w- oh, Wisconsin get definitely cut it close in that second half and made things, um, you know, made it a game. But it wasn't like Michigan ever was, like, really out of it. Um, it was pretty back and forth and Michigan's able to make plays. I think, you know, the more interesting part will be Wisconsin just because, although yes, great win for Michigan, as you can kind of look at the bottom of the screen here, Michigan's eight and 15 and three and nine, in the big 10 good win for them. And th- there's some Joan Howard talk, I'm sure with that, but Wisconsin is the one that it matters more. And I think this is kind of the game where it shows like one, just how important AJ store is. He was cut. He started off really well. I mean, had some moments in the second half, but I think that that period late in the first half, he was really quiet. And Wisconsin's offense really seems like it's starting to go where he goes. Chucky Hepburn, great game, which they they absolutely needed. But um, I mean, Robbie Hummel on the call mentioned it quite a few times in the second half when Wisconsin wanted to get to the rim and they got there. It was a bucket. If they didn't get to the rim, they just weren't able to hit everything. Five for 19 from three after struggling shooting from three at, um, against Purdue the other day. There's just, there's just some, I think it's just kind of how Wisconsin is, how um, they're much better at getting to the rim this year. And they show that at some in the second half, but at the end of the day, to me, they're still a little, they're still pretty reliant on the jumper in general, and they have dudes that can hit them. But when it's not falling, then what, um, and Michigan was able to take advantage, you know, you have Doug McDaniel make enough plays just really across the board. You look across four people in double double figures, um, just a lot of good effort from everybody. I thought, which is not what you've seen from Michigan lately so that was pretty good to see from them.
0: Yeah, no for sure. Uh you definitely saw Michigan playing their hearts out in this one. And that's what you've not seen from some of these other teams who have given up second-half leads and uh, just seemed like Michigan. I don't know what Juwan Howard said. I don't know if he you know, took their oatmeal cream pies from him or what he did and <laughs> said, you know, no treats for you unless you guys win this one. I have no idea. But whatever he did in the locker room, he was able to get those guys to go out there and play with their hair on fire and give great effort. Evan, what were your thoughts on the game?
2: Uh, I mean, a lot some, some of what Joe was saying. I, I feel like this Wisconsin team, it, it, I feel like they're almost – Unlike other Wisconsin teams we've seen in the past, where I feel like usually Wisconsin, they're good at, you know, what they're good at, they just, you know, beat to death, whether it's going to the post or whatever it may be. And it may not be the most, you know, fun basketball to watch, but they're good at it and it works really well. And I'm just really surprised going back to the pregame over the weekend and even tonight, you know, going to the post worked for them so well. I was just really surprised to see them kind of go away from that as much um, when they kind of got back into the game or even maybe took the lead and then started relying on those jumpers again, just kind of really. It was surprising to me because I just felt like, I mean, it was working. Why are you going away from it? And then, no surprise, you know, pretty was able to pull away from it on, on Sunday, and then Michigan was able to pull it away here tonight. Yeah,
0: uh, Brett, you, you mentioned it, man. Uh, you're kind of heartbroken a little bit seeing Michigan win, uh, but they did win. What were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, for me, I mean, the batters in a lull. You mentioned it. They dropped – they've now dropped three in a row. The first two were excusable. But this one is where you start to hit the panic button. I mean, no, I say it all the time on this show. No road game is free in the Big Ten, even against the worst team uh, in the Big Ten. But when you're one of those top four teams in that top tier, when you're on the road against the worst team in the conference, hands down, you, you can't lose that game. Uh, so I, I think it's time to hit the panic button for the Badgers. I also do think that talent-wise, Wisconsin's kind of been playing a bit above where where they kind of stand talent-wise. Um, they've been winning a lot of games, a lot of close games. Um, and I think a lot of that goes to kind of the stability they have year-over-year year on their team. And obviously, they added A.J. Soar in the offseason. But these guys have played a lot of basketball together uh, for the most part. And, you know, ha- having that kind of cohesiveness on a team, um, it, it's just better when it comes down to those close games. Uh, you, know, you know you can trust your guys. Um, you're out there riding for your guys. And it's worked out for them to this point, but um, they're just kind of coming crashing down to reality that this isn't a top six team in the nation like they were ranked last week. Um, is it a top 25 team? Probably. But yeah, I, I mean, this, this game is also probably what they needed too, just a bit of a wake-up call. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how they proceed from here.
3: Yeah, and you look at their schedule, like their next game is at Rutgers. Uh, and we'll talk about, I know, Rutgers in a little bit. Rutgers is one, two in a row. They seem to have some life in their program. We got we, you know, the rack is, has, is a tough place to play. One of the tougher places in the big 10, you have Wisconsin's ranked what, 11, I think right now or whatever. And eight people, um, that place is going to be rocking. And so it goes from like a, you know, Wisconsin should win this game uh, at Rutgers or like, you know, they, they probably would need it to like, they absolutely need it. You can't, you, you can't drop four in a row. You mentioned it, Brant, like at Nebraska, Obviously they're up 18 and you don't want to, or whatever it was, and you don't want to lose that, but at Nebraska, whatever, not the worst loss home against Purdue. you lost also, you know, the best team in the country or, or the second best team in the country, whatever you can't lose to at Michigan and at Rutgers in the same week this year. That cannot happen.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I will say on the bright side, if they do lose four in a row to at Rutgers the game after that, they play Ohio state. And that's a win for everybody. Everybody <laughs> wins that game. So True. they're not going to lose five in a row. That's the good news there. Uh, now, guys, I, I got to be honest. We have two boiler mak- makers here on the podcast, and nobody even mentioned the stat above all stats. That is the greatest indicator of an unfairly refereed game and is the main indicator of why a team wins. Okay? Guess how many free throws Wisconsin had? In this game? Yes.
3: Uh twelve.
0: Nineteen.
3: Guess 19. how many free
0: throws Michigan had? I'll give you a hint. It's more than nineteen.
3: Twenty six.
0: Twenty five. You were very quick. Good job. <laughs> that's that's what it is, guys. That's yep. what it yep. is. Um, uh, you know, Michigan shot more free throws, obviously they had the refs in their back pocket. Uh, you know, so that's right, Brant? Am I right? I mean, <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm seeing all over the place. You hack, you hack, Edie so many times. He gets to the free throw line more than anybody else, and bang! And that's how they win game. Yeah, that's how they do um, it yep <laughs> that is how it's you agreement. do
0: now, it now and on a more serious note I will say for me I felt like the biggest thing in this game was was Terrace Reed just absolutely demoralizing Stephen Crowell on the block every single time I mean there were times when Crowell was trying to back him down and literally like Reed was backing him up from the basket I think there was like one of those last positions they had Crowell was trying to back Reed down and eventually Crowell just like gave up and was like I'm just gonna throw this up here it was one of the ugliest shots there there was all game uh, and that's specifically because Terrace Reed was able to just essentially bully uh, Stephen Crow and get him away from the basket. Um, and if that continues, I got to be honest, this Rutgers game, like you guys were talking about, it it does not bode well for them because Cliff Amorie is going to be able to do that. And Rutgers is going to play tough, mean basketball. It's going to do that to them. Uh, we mentioned the panic button a little bit, but Evan, I'm curious your thoughts. Is it time for the Badgers to kind of hit the panic button a little bit?
2: I think it really uh, kind of bodes on the Rutgers game. I mean, mean, obviously, if you lose, you know, four or five in a row, then yeah, 100%. Um, I think this is where, again, like how we talked about already, like the first two games, you know, you can understand me why the loss at Nebraska is a great environment, especially when a top team comes to town, Um, especially when they can get rolling there. You know, again, pretty like like Joe said, you know, one of the best teams in the country, you know, no shame losing by single digits on your home court um this one's you, you know chalked to a bit of a head scratcher you know maybe they're coming off you know you know it was a you know it was a physical game on sunday you know maybe there's a little bit of a hangover whatever maybe whatever you want to say but if you if they come out and lay an egg against ruckers then yeah it is absolutely time to mash that panic button
0: yeah for sure and uh, i mean the other piece of it too is like you have to get more out of your bench Mm uh you know Chucky Hepburn did what he did in this game 17 points two rebounds only one assist you'd like to see more assists from Chucky in this game but I mean that was a complaint that I heard from Wisconsin fans after the Purdue game was you know we need Chucky to shoot better we need Chucky to shoot more while he Took 11 shots in this game, made six of them, took three threes and made two of them. But at the end of the day, you only had one assist. uh, And one of the biggest reasons for that is because they only had six points off the bench. I mean, when you had 68 points and only six of them come off the bench, uh, Blackwell with only three, uh, you know, that's just that's not that's not going to get it done. Brent, what were other was there another area, whether it be the bench or down low or anything like that, that Wisconsin needs to look for in their next game against Rutgers to really fix?
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought your point about Chucky was great. I do think that getting him involved in the offense, um, you know, rather than just passing, he actually getting some scoring uh, would have helped out. But as you saw here, it it really did not put the script for and They still lost the game. Um, I think if Connor Sejan could get going, uh, and we've been saying that all year, he could be an X factor for this team. Uh, what, what they really need help with is scoring on the outside. Um, but he just he hasn't been the same player he was last year.
0: No, he he hasn't, and it's, some of it's been role change, and I like kind of the player that he's been more this year, but, you know, that's with the other players on his team filling their roles and doing what they need to do um one last question for you Joe and then we'll move on from here this Michigan team obviously was on a terrible losing streak I think they were like one for their last 12 or something like that some and and they just were having a really hard time this season Doug McDaniel is back I felt like Jalen Llewellyn played a really good game he got 20 minutes and even Doug and Jalen Llewellyn were out there together a little bit not a lot but there was a little bit of that um do you have any hopes obviously Michigan's not going to make the ncaa tournament or anything like that but do you have any hopes for michigan to continue on with this this season and improve the season a
3: little bit more the tough thing is like even if they play pretty well um, which i think that they have it in them we'll see if this was just kind of their like one final hurrah and everything was able to click but you look at their schedule and their next five games at nebraska at illinois home against michigan state at northwestern home against purdue um not the easiest schedule to get right so i mean when you include this wisconsin that's they literally play the pretty pretty much consensus top six teams in the big 10 all in a row um i mean if they're able to like stay competitive against nebraska maybe even pull off a win i think that would be like, really good signs. And um, As you guys are Ohio State fans, if you want to keep Jawan Howard, that would be a very good win then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's a tough schedule for them to, to try to keep up with that. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I do have one real quick. Uh, I didn't quite b- get this in with the Wisconsin is uh, from at Cobra Stats on Twitter. He's a Purdue stats guy, but does some Big Ten stuff as well. Um, really, Just good follow in general. Purdue, our teams that play Purdue, like their next game, the, t- the game after they play Purdue in the Big Ten teams are now two and eight on the season. Um wow. so. and that's
2: been pretty consistent the last two years, even too. It's it was kind of a theme, I know, especially two years ago with Jay Nivey. You know, Purdue Purdue lost at IU, and then their next game, IU got blown out at home by Michigan. It was a pretty consistent theme the last couple of years. It's yep. been pretty weird. You
0: we should take a look at the free throws, see if <laughs> see if that keeps up. Yeah. You know. Might be on something there. Tell Cobra. Look at the free throws next time as well. That uh, that could give us uh, some direction there. Um, do have a comment from Dylan? Dylan, a loaded boiler huddle. You love to see it. And Jr. Handsome as always. Hey, I didn't wear the hat tonight just for you, Dylan. I was hoping you would notice. So uh, appreciate you being here and watching, man. Uh, all right, let's get to our next one. We have Michigan State went to Minneapolis at Minnesota. And they lost. Uh, this was a game that, you know, Michigan kind of needed uh, a good road win for them. Minnesota is a good team. I don't think they're recognized as a great team. I don't even think their own fans would recognize them as a great team. But they're obviously much improved this year. And it would have been respectable for Mi- Michigan State to go in there and get the win. However, uh, you know, it just wasn't a great game for Michigan State. And Minnesota was able to take care of business in this one. Uh, Evan, I'm curious. What were your thoughts on the Michigan State and Minnesota game?
2: Yeah, this was a a big week for Michigan State. You're coming into it because you had obviously the game at Minnesota, which um, I mean, going to I thought they were going to take care of business, really not have too much trouble with them. Like you said, Minnesota is much improved compared to last year, but you know they were pretty awful last year, so it doesn't take much to be improved. Um, but you got this game, then you have Illinois coming to East Lansing on Saturday, so you really had a you know Michigan State had a really good opportunity to kind of you know get two really big wins to kind of maybe cement themselves as a the top four team in the Big Ten um and they're off to a really bad start (laughs) um obviously give credit to minnesota you know taking care of business at home um you know guys like um you know um uh, christy you know stepping up you know he's been a pretty awesome freshman all year um could definitely have the argument is he better than his brother was at michigan state a couple years or you know a couple years ago um but yeah definitely impressive win for minnesota and yeah it's interesting season for michigan state obviously they came into the year as you know Pick to win the Big Ten or if not second, you know, finish maybe second to Purdue, and things have not gone well for them um, in comparison. Yeah. I mean,
0: Tyson Walker has been everything that you would want, uh, but the been their only thing sometimes. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> that's the only thing though that, they <laughs> yeah. Wanted. Um, they've had some other guys show up Hall, you know, Malik Hall has been okay from time to time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Aikens has been has been fine from time to time. But it's the issue of the inconsistency and then not really showing up. It's funny, because at the beginning of the year, I said, Illinois needs to be more consistent. Um, and it's kind of like flip flopped. with Michigan State is now that kind of inconsistent team that's not really able to do what they need to do. And Illinois, while well, they're you know, struggling by their standards right now, uh, you know, they, they are not really so much the same way. Now we'll see what happens with them and Northwestern tonight. So I might eat those words, but, uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. And I think you're right, Evan, Cam Christie, uh, very underrated freshman in, in the big 10 this year, he's one that does not get enough credit, I think for how good he's been. And he's really just, he's changed his Gophers program Mm -hmm. in a good way. Um, Brant, what are your thoughts on this game?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, Michigan State just doesn't really have a dog mentality, in my opinion, and it comes down to, I mean, Tyson Walker, I think, does. He can hit big shots, but when it comes down to um, all all the supporting guys, like you said, you just don't have guys who are, it really seems like you're giving their all and can can do things that 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 make it a winning program. Uh, A.J. Hoggart is a guy who comes to mind that just isn't playing up to the preseason expectations, um, and he was a guy, you know, as a senior point guard that you really expected to um, to have this team. You know, they were top five preseason for a reason. And he was one of those pieces that you really expected to, to have a good season. Uh, back to Cam Christie, though, I, I'm going to put my foot down on the fact that he should be the Big Ten freshman of the year. And I, I don't th- I mean, it, Indiana fans will tell you it should be McKenzie. Uh, I think they're wrong. I think Cam Christie has done a lot more for Minnesota than McKenzie McBacco has done for Indiana. Um, that, that'll be interesting to see, you know, how that race kind of unfolds down the stretch, but the things he's done for Minnesota have really been insane. Like uh, you see Minnesota there with six conference wins this year. I expected them to have half of that for the entire year. Had, I, I, I mean, this, this team was horrendous last year, and it didn't seem like that they did a lot during the offseason to change that, but I, I underestimated Ben Johnson. He's come out, and his guys play hard every single game. They may not be the most talented team in the conference, but you know you're going to get a hard-fought game from them, and that's a lot more than you can say for some of these Big Ten teams. Yeah, if the
2: uh, Big Ten tournament started today, they get the double bye as the yep. four seed, Yeah, which is wild.
3: Yeah. Insane. <laughs> which is the current to what Ben Johnson's done. Um, Mm -hmm. I questioned some of the off season moves. I didn't, I didn't know if I trusted Elijah Hawkins making the jump from um, uh, Howard. He went, he was at Howard last year, make the jump to a big 10 team. He's been good. He's um, limited the turnovers in terms of like where he was at last year, where it was almost just like a one-to-one type thing at times where yes, he might have eight assists, but it was also seven turnovers in the process. Um, he didn't have like his best game yesterday, but still six assists. He's somebody that, you know, when Minnesota needs to something to be created, they can at least just throw it to him and, and run a pick and roll, and he'll be able to find a dude. Now you do surround him with shooters in Christie and Mitchell, um, especially Christie, who's just been phenomenal this sh- for a large chunk of the season. Dawson Garcia is playing as a top 10-ish player in the conference. Um, at least all big 10 level for sure. And then Pharrell Payne has his moment, he's kind of like Pain's like Terrace Reed to me, where it's just, you have some of these flashes and you're just like, man, he could be so good. Um, isn't there every game, but when the flashes are there, it's like, man, the, the dude's talented. Uh, just, you know, 6'9", moves insanely well. Um, and then even you get, you know, you get good energy off the bench now from Parker Fox. And they're not, I don't think Minnesota's a deep team at all. I, I think they're, you know, they trust six to eight guys on any given night, but Parker Fox has been one of them and, and good energy is able to score. Um, and it just seems like Last year when like I was kind of recapping the season and I was thinking of Minnesota, I was like, what, like, what was their identity? Like they just didn't have one. They, I don't think they knew who they were. Ben Johnson didn't quite know what he wanted to do. They have more of an identity this year. I think especially offensively of, you know, running more pick and rolls, you have your shooters. And then if you need to, you just have Garcia try and go get you a bucket um, and and he can do it in a variety of ways. So uh, just more of a, a true identity this year. They're, you know, um, pretty solid defensively too. I, I think they do a good job of at times just mucking up the game if they need to. They can play a little bit faster. I think they're pretty adaptable, which is, which has been important for them too. But yeah, credit to Ben Johnson. Who like we'll see how this rest of the season plays out, and and they have a couple tough games um, coming up too. But Ben Johnson will have a legit case for for Big Ten Coach of the Year, and if it's based like last year's voting, then it should be Ben Johnson over like Matt Painter.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we're if we're being honest here, and I don't, this might upset some Michigan State fans for me to say this, and that's fine. Whatever, I've made fans mad before, and you'll get my mission mentions and tell me how stupid I am. Whatever, um, but. Like Minnesota and Michigan State in my mind should be flopped, like flip flopped. Like Michigan State is having the season that people perceive Minnesota to have, and Minnesota is having the season that kind of people perceive Michigan State is having because people look at Michigan State and say like, "Oh yeah, this is a tournament team." I've said early on this isn't a tournament team. Michigan State's not going to make the tournament. I know people are still saying they are, and we just had a guest on Ryan last time who said he thinks they for sure or for sure. He thinks they are going to make the tournament and I I just I don't see it. I don't see them being able to get the wins. I don't see them being impressive enough. The only way I see them getting into the tournament is if they're on the bubble and they just like do Thomaso a favor to keep like the tournament streak going, which, you know, we can you know, talk about all those things, but um and and one of the biggest reasons why is because the numbers don't like Minnesota as much. Minnesota is um 73rd and Ken Palm. Their offense ranks 99th, and their defense ranks 78, or not seventy eight forty eighth. 48th. And so it's like when you only have one side of the ball inside the, the top 50, you're you know, you're not doing as well when in fact I think Minnesota is just a better team. I, I don't think they're the better coached team, but at least in this game, I felt like Ben Johnson coached a better game than Tom Mizzo did. And, um, you know, like I said, it's not really something that people are going to take into account right away. But I think, I think that's what we're looking at here, where this Minnesota team is better than Michigan State this year. And people need to start realizing that they probably have a better chance of making the tournament this year based on play alone and not like, you know, thoughts of you know coaches and things like that instead of Michigan State. Uh, is that crazy to say, Brent? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I don't think that's crazy to say at all. I mean, you just saw Minnesota go out and outplay them and just kind of prove on the court they're the better team given they were at home, but that I mean the game is right there for Michigan State taking and they didn't take it. Um, I, I think Minnesota is the better team at this point. I do not think that Michigan States a tournament team, you can't count out Tom Izzo in march he he's still got a little time here to turn his season around but at the same time we've seen all these legendary coaches kind of fizzle out and retire over the past few years uh, and Tom Izzo it just seems like is the next one up um I'd be honestly kind of surprised if we saw him back at Michigan save even next season I think this could be his final rodeo potentially um. If not, you know, next season he he might. I don't know if he'd be the type of guy to kind of declare before the season like Coach K, like, "Hey, this is my final rodeo." I, I don't think he's that kind of guy. I think he's. I think he'll kind of just ride off into the sunset when it when it's this time. And I I could see it being this year. You know, with N I L Michigan State hasn't really been a team that's been in the transfer portal getting a lot of guys. Um, so I I think it's a new era of college basketball, and it's kind of surpassed onism in my opinion.
3: Yeah, when we look at like March, um, I think it's fair right now to say Minnesota's a better team than Michigan State. The thing that hurts Minnesota is they quite literally, like Per, per Ken Palm, quite literally had the easiest non-conference schedule in the entire country, um, and so just that, which I don't blame. Right, I I, I don't blame right. Ben Johnson and, and Minnesota for scheduling that way when you have, but they have two Big Ten wins last year and like nine total. You just want to get some Ws with a a lot of new players, a, a pretty young team. You want to get a lot of Ws early on and um maybe that you know if they schedule harder then they're struggling more in Big 10 because they haven't been able to figure out how to win so totally don't blame them there um and that's where michigan state's able to scrape by and still be in the tourney combo is they have a couple good wins um michigan state now has a very very big game saturday at home against illinois a win there is going to make things look a lot better um but they're i mean their next five home at illinois or home against illinois at penn state at michigan home against iowa home against ohio state like Obviously, we just saw Wisconsin lose at Michigan today, so anything can happen. But you would assume Michigan State should be favored in all five of those, or at least four of those, and then the Illinois game is is probably Illinois slightly. Um, but they put themselves in this hole where they just can't afford losses, right? If they they had picked picked off Minnesota at Minnesota, you can maybe maybe afford to drop one in there. Uh, I don't I don't know if they can do that anymore. They have the talent to win all five. But what we said earlier, I just don't know if they have the consistency for all their players to win all five of those um, before finishing up the season.
2: Even if Minnesota doesn't make the tournament, if they can make the NIT, that's such a big step for them as a program. Just trying to, I mean, especially if you can keep a lot of guys and just, you know, get consistency and build continuity, it can be a huge kind of, you know, di- or jump or, you know, jump into next season into hopefully, you know, finishing maybe in that top half of the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I was just looking at the schedule here when Joe was talking about it for for Minnesota and Michigan State, and it's so weird because I look at Michigan State; they have Illinois at Penn State, at Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State at Purdue, Northwestern at Indiana. They have them winning all of those games except for one against Purdue, which, like, I don't know. Like, sure, based on the numbers, sure, but I just I don't believe in this Michigan State team that they're going to. Be able to do that. Call me a hater, whatever you want. That's fine. And then I look over at Minnesota's and they have Minnesota going four and five in their last nine games of the season. They have them losing um away to uh Iowa, Purdue, obviously. Um, away against Nebraska, away against Illinois, and then away at Northwestern. Like, yeah, those are hard games on the road, but I feel like Minnesota could pick up one of those. Um, you know, at least Iowa. They they might be able to pick that one up, but but we'll see. It's it's gonna it it's not an easy road toward the end of the season for Minnesota. But you know you're right, Evan. Even if it, they just get to the NIT, um, you know that's a huge huge step for them. So I'd be curious uh, to see
2: how this Michigan State team, how by I mean at the end of the year, how they how much it mirrors maybe last year's North Carolina team, where the year prior to that, you know they you know were an eight nine seed in tournament, made a run to the championship game, brought everybody back, were preseason number one, and then were you know worse than mediocre last year and then kind of the same thing with michigan state you know last year they made a tournament run weren't great last year but made a run brought everybody back we're preseason top five and now they find themselves kind of again kind of borderline mediocre at times
3: this yeah. is all setting up michigan state just sneaking into the first four and then going to like the final four somehow that's what this it's is 20, like 2021 or whatever that's <laughs> like to happened yeah. yeah yeah there's going to figure out a way and then hogar's going to be like the a top 3 point guard in the country for like a four game yeah. span who's going to not miss and and somehow it'll just all work cuz that's just what Izzo does. Yep.
0: I say Walker's going to have to, you know, be playing national play of the year level for that to happen. Yeah. Um we have a few comments here. Ali Babwa, uh friend of the program was on a football show one time appreciate you uh minnesota is currently fourth in the big 10 yes we yes uh that won't hold but it's impressive no i don't think it'll hold obviously you know like we talked about the schedule there but i I could see them finishing in the top half of the Big Ten, um, which for them would be awesome based off what happened last year. Uh, Casual Big Ten, Kent, Parker, Fox, emphasis on the X factor. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't even the one that mentioned him, Kent. So there you go. Somebody else mentioned him. That's a huge step. And then Sonny. Sonny, I'm glad you brought this up. I do want to talk about this. So Michigan State is 12-2 and at home. Only losses are to Wisconsin and Arizona. All right. Yes, I think that's important to look at. However, look at who they have beat at home Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Rutgers, Penn State, Indiana State, Stony Brook, Oakland. Baylor says semi home. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I guess it was in, that's it was in Detroit. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. Okay yeah i still call that a neutral oh and arizona was a neutral it says so yeah
1: we're forgetting about james madison lost at at home (laughs) oh
0: yes there we go first game of the season
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah okay so not arizona it's james madison instead um but like i look at like those 12 wins that they've had at home and like no disrespect to those other teams i just talked up minnesota but like it's not exactly any like high caliber wins at home. They have Illinois coming in at home uh, on uh what is it Saturday. So, you know, if they can get that one, but Sunny, I'm sure you don't want that to happen. So, uh
3: <laughs> yeah. They're they're fortunate that the they're very fortunate obviously that they stomp Baylor and then they're fortunate that the Indiana State win is doing very very well at all right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's helping the numbers a lot, too.
0: I think is that Indiana State a quad one? Is it top 35 or top 30?
3: You have to be. 30.
2: 30. 30. 30. Okay. So they're uh, 34 right remember. now. It might be 35.
3: I can't remember. But, it, right. it, no, it's, like it's more probably four line. Quad one if it isn't. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah so all right uh we do want to before we move on do want to remind you about sponsor of the show cbb analytics they give me a free pro tier to tell you about them each and every episode i love using cbb analytics going back doing their game recaps are one of the best things about them and then also just the in-depth stats they have to talk about uh which players are, are leading in these areas and then not only that they give you the rankings but they also give you like percentages for how well this player is doing uh based on other players and they give like The more green it is, the better it is. The more red it is, the worse it is and stuff like that. And not only is it really cool stats, but just the formatting and everything with it is really awesome. Uh, You don't have to have a subscription or to pay to use it. So even if you're somebody that you're like, well, I don't want to pay for it. It's all good. Go check it out. It's free. CBB Analytics. uh, They'll get you right. And uh, like I said, a lot of fun stats and things like that for you to look at. All right, guys. Had another team go in and uh, win on the road. Rutgers takes it to Maryland. Uh, I got to be honest, there was very little offense in this game. Uh, 56 to 53. I think I looked up at one time and like the first half was almost over and nobody had even scored 20 yet. And I was like, yeesh, here we go. (laughs) But two strong defensive teams. Rutgers was able to uh, start pulling ahead a little bit and Maryland was able to bring it back, make it close. But Rutgers was obviously able to take this one. Uh, Joe, I'm curious what were your thoughts on Rutgers beating Maryland
3: yeah I mean I was this was being billed um as just gonna be a rock fight and it was Rutgers and Kirk Kempom what are, I think right now 300th in offense second in defense Maryland's like 190th in offense and sixth in defense uh neither of these teams have capabilities of scoring the ball at times and they are both very elite and not allowing the other team to score like this was it wouldn't have shocked me if this game stayed under 100 points total uh, some free throw stuff at the end like kind of push it over the edge but um I, I think in a lot of ways it's it's telling um for Rutgers. this is their second game with jeremiah williams they are now two and oh with him and he has provided a huge spark for them uh, 14 points five rebounds and just in an offense like ruckers where like I mentioned with Minnesota how last year I just didn't know what their identity was. Like I have no clue what Rutgers at times even wants to do on offense. Um, just it, they don't really, they don't they just don't have that guy like, you know, a Geo Baker from before or even last year, like you had Caleb McConnell that could get a pull up. You had Paul McKay who, who could essentially do what is now coined as booty ball. Um,
2: you had Cam Spencer he, who could knock down threes. Yeah, Spencer, I forgot yeah. about him Exactly.
3: Yeah. Now, like Jeremiah Williams is that guy, at least in these two games, that has been able to create for himself. He has that energy to him. He's kind of honestly offensively is what I think people were wanting from Derek Simpson this year it is kind of what it's felt like in this short sample size. Um, really, scale, really skilled with the ball, and, and he had no assists in this game, but I know his his prior years uh, was very good at facilitating the ball too. It sucks that the NCAA just dragged their feet with – um, cause I, I, he was not playing for, I think it was like a, I don't know if it was gambling or something like that. Um, but they just took forever and, and basically ruling him eligible. He's been ruled eligible for two games. They look a lot better. Um, obviously it's too late now, but looking at next year when they do bring in and Harper and, uh, Ace Bailey, Jeremiah Williams should be a good fit alongside them flipping to Maryland. This is just like the most Maryland game ever of like. Julian Reese had a good game. Jameer Young did not have a good game, um, but he still was able to get something. And then they got absolutely nothing from everybody else. And that's just that's just been the story of their season. I was super high on them coming into the year, so I'm I'm uh, pretty sad to see them play the the way they are. But two of 18 from three, and both of them come from Jameer Young. Like you're just not going to win many games, even if it's against Rutgers. You're just not going to win many games that way.
0: No, yeah, for sure. Um, Jameer Young, it's so wild because yes, you know, he shot three for 17. <laughs> so it, obviously it wasn't a good game, but if you just look at like the points and rebounds, yeah, double double, you know, 16 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, but you know, he, you're just, you're not going to be able to win when, when Jameer Young is not efficient enough uh, I don't know how you go three for 17 other than like you are just your entire team's offense and you just have to keep shooting because you know that even though you're three for 17 you're still the best option to score out there uh, because nobody else really is and that's uh that's hard for them a uh, quick stat before we move on here because I found this earlier today uh, you guys want to know who the only two teams in the Big Ten are to win two back-to-back away games this year? One of them is Purdue, obviously, and Rutgers. and Rutgers. Rutgers just really won back to back away games at Michigan at Maryland. Um, they are projected to lose <laughs> like all of their games <laughs> except for two the rest of the season. Uh, but still, like, hey, we got something that only Rutgers and Purdue has done in the uh, in the conference. So you know that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Brant, what were your thoughts on the Rutgers win over Maryland?
1: Yeah, I mean, my number one takeaway was exactly what Joe said about Jeremiah Williams. Uh, for Rutgers, it feels like, I mean, it's all about 2024, 2025 for them. This season's kind of a wash. They're not, they're not going to make a tournament. They're not probably going to win too many games the rest of the year, like you just mentioned, JR. But for them to go on the road and, you know, kind of shut down Maryland completely and just play to their their brand. Steve Feichel loves the defense. He he. There's not too many players who can put the ball in the hoop on, on this team this year. Uh, but to go and do that on the road and a tough place to play and get the win, definitely impressive, especially with the kind of season they've had so far. Uh, and then, yeah, just the emergence of Jeremiah Williams. Um, the one thing I was really interested to see about Rutgers going into next season, uh, you know, they've got the two superstar freshmen coming in. but who's going to be alongside them? Because you can't just stick a bunch of freshmen out there and expect it to gel and just be one of the top teams uh, in the conference. But this guy going to be. Uh, he'll be a senior I'm not sure how many years of eligibility he has left I know there's some kind of weird things with transfers and injuries with him Uh, so he's definitely going to be one of the older players on their on their roster next year and to just even get him out there this year and kind of gel with some of the guys who they have right now um, definitely a good leg up for for them going into next season and he, he just he seems like he'll be the perfect fit with those two freshmen coming in next year.
0: Yeah, I was just looking at that up when you were talking, Brant. The guards, Davis, Simpson, and Williams will all be back, um, but I don't know if there's any kind of COVID stuff going on here. But Hyatt, Amorye, and Mag are all seniors, so unless one of them has some secret COVID eligibility that I don't know about,
3: oh, which is so Amorye, and yeah. Mag have it if they want. Yeah, but um, I know Amorye tweeted at the beginning of the year like one last ride. And Mag, I think, almost didn't come back this year. He could come back,
1: but, uh, yeah, just for those. I I know Amorey almost went to the NBA after last season. I know he was testing the waters there. Um, So, uh, yeah, he's probably out. And then it just feels like a changing of the guard because these guys, you know, Hyatt, Amorey, Mag, they've they've been in the program for years. And I I doubt they kind of hang around as it's, you know, a new era of Rutgers basketball going into next season. Uh, Just kind of my feel for the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Plus, um obviously, I assume some people will transfer out for Rutgers. Like, usually everybody's just going to have at least one or two, probably. Yeah. But if nobody transfers out, they only have one scholarship open because they do have five incoming freshmen. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. Well, it'll be a very freshman team. Uh, J- Jeremiah Williams will be a senior, so he'll be uh, kind of the leader uh, with the experience, I guess, on that team. So it'll be very interesting. Uh, Evan, before we move on, what were your thoughts on the game?
2: I thought it's more just in Maryland. Maryland overall, um, kind of like what Joe was saying. I, I was pretty high on Maryland coming into the year. Uh, I thought, you know, with what they brought back, with what they were bringing, in, I thought they could be, you know, definitely compete for a top four spot in the conference. And they just have been probably one of the bigger disappointments in the conference, in my opinion. Um, I thought they were starting to turn around at the end of January. You know, they got two wins back to back, but then they've dropped two in a row now. And I think this one, you know, dropping a home game to a bad Rutgers team that almost, you know maybe puts the nail in the coffin to any sort of tournament hopes they had, unless they can get, go on a tear at the end of the year. But um, yeah, it's been a, just a total disappointment for them this year.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, we've said it before, but Harris Smith has been nowhere near the offensive yeah. production that you've wanted. Uh, Jordan Geronimo, okay defender, but you know, he's bringing literally nothing to the offense. It's not and doing what he is, did at Indiana, which is not a whole lot. <laughs> right. And sometimes that's different, you know, like sometimes it's like a change of scenery can make something happen. Mm -hmm. Nope. Not for Jordan Geronimo. He still no offense. (laughs) So he had a block in the game. So that's good. But All right, let's move on to the next one brant uh ohio state i don't even know if i should say anything or if i should just turn it over to you um i'm mad i don't like my team very much right now and it's getting harder and harder to watch basketball games uh where there is a team with from ohio involved in it what are your thoughts brant
1: yeah i i was actually i had the absolute pleasure of being in attendance at that game the other night oh my god Uh, i'm so sorry (laughs) yeah it it, it wasn't fun. Let's just let's just leave it at that. Um, and I I I was there with uh, one of my buddies who's an Indiana fan. So he's he's kind of almost equally as frustrated with the way their season's going. Um, we're, you know, we we have that 18 point lead. I turn to him and I say, "Just watch, J- just watch." <laughs> and and little did I know, I, I spoke it right into existence. Um, I mean, I mean, come on, like. I don't even have words. I don't even have words that it, it's just ridiculous. It's and I heard it on the on the the Michigan, Wisconsin broadcast today. I forget who was calling that game, but they said losing is contagious. And it just kind of, you know, once you lose one and you lose another, it's just kind of within your mentality and it just starts to pile up. Um, and that just seems to have happened to this Ohio State team. You know, we're we're in almost every game and we find a way to lose every single game right now. I forget if it's one and eight or one and nine in the last nine or 10 games, but it's, it's not pretty. And it it's, it's really frustrating.
0: Uh, Yeah, we got a fisherman here with us, which by the way, fisherman, you are one of my favorite listeners. We talk about Ohio state in your, in here, like every time we talk about them. So you're like in the misery with me and I appreciate it. Uh, Holtman is broken after that presser last night. Yes. uh, If you want to go watch a press conference, of a coach who was very, very frustrated and holding back every ounce of anger that he had um, to not, like, go at at the media and not just go, like, scream at his players and, you know, fist clench the entire time. Um, It was uncomfortable to watch, but I did watch it, and, yeah, he was, man, I, I, I... I don't know. I could feel the awkwardness and the anger and the fresh. I could feel it through the screen and I wasn't even watching live. So, you know, <laughs> like it wasn't even that. But uh, he's also saying, by the way, Ohio State is eight and 24 in Big Ten play in the last two years. Yeah. Uh, these two years have just absolutely destroyed Holtman's teams. And I, I don't I don't know. On the bright side, Frank likes your background, Joe. So, <laughs> we, yeah, no, we it's- have that.
1: It's thanks just, it's just been bad at i really i do feel for chris holman he, he's a great guy and he he brought you know the end of thad's tenure was equally i mean it wasn't this bad but it, it was it was getting pretty bad to where we missed the tournament a few years in a row and he stepped in and brought him right back to the tournament uh had him competing again in the big 10 um but it's, you can't even really pinpoint where the problems are because there's so many um so I, Ohio State's just in need of a shakeup, and I think everyone knows the writing's on the wall for a kind of change of the guard um, heading into this off season. So it'll be interesting to see what this off brings for Ohio State basketball. But the rest of the, the season, it's it. I, I I can't foresee it getting too much better. I mean, I know there was there was that uh, day tournament run last March, which was really you know out of nowhere and kind of fun to watch. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they somehow catch fire again in the tournament uh, and potentially save Chris Holman last second, but I, I don't know. I, I think he's too far gone.
0: Yeah, no i I just think there's no confidence on the team right now. Uh, no, yeah, it's hard. No. It's hard to watch. You know, every time something happens, you can just see like all the heads go down of all the players, and it's just like yeah, there,
1: there's no, there's no fire, there's no will to win. It's just like. it's it's a team that's kind of accepted what they are and they've accepted losses. And it's sad because there's talent on that team that they can win these games, that they're no less talented than half the conference, but uh, it's just, they, they kind of accepted where they are and that's where we are right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Frank, I do see your uh, question there. We'll get to that at the end. I want to make sure we also talk about Indiana because, you know, they did come back by like 18 points and win with like 17 points left in the game. So yeah, I do think they deserve some talking about uh, Evan. We'll go to you for that. Your thoughts on the game, Ohio State, Indiana, whatever you want to talk about.
2: Yeah, Um. so my wife's an Indiana grad, so I've had the, I wouldn't call it pleasure, but of watching about every single Indiana game this year alongside her. Um. So it's funny to see, like, again, the game was going on yesterday, and I try and we we try and keep our biases aside whenever we watch Taylor's teams. And at one point early in the first half, I turned her like, this is an awful basketball game. Like, Ohio State was up by like 12, but I was like, this is, as a basketball fan, I was like hurt to watch it because it just was not a good game um i was actually recording i was actually recording our our podcast last night during when they made the comebacks so i pulled the game up on my phone and i got they think they're up like 15 and then all of a sudden i kept seeing like miss you know miss jumper miss shot miss shot so it just felt like Ohio they couldn't put the ball in the hoop um i mean yeah, indiana indiana county Ohio State has a lot of talent they just haven't been able to put it together um i don't think they're a great basketball team um but i mean if the one guy who can really be a catalyst that team is is um is Galloway and he got them going last night and Malik Renew's a great player. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I couldn't believe they made the comeback, but so I ap- apologize for your Buckeyes. Cause it was, I was laughing during the game until they made the comeback. And I was a little pissed off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we were pissed off too. It's okay. Yeah. I can uh-
2: imagine. Yeah. And this is honestly, it was a game I thought like before I looked at it, but I was like, this is a game that could get Holtman fired on the spot until I realized that his buyout was 15 million before April 1st. So that probably won't happen until then. But
3: yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I think starting with with Holtman and, and Ohio State, like the tough, the toughest thing with it is. Uh, when you look at Kempom's like strength of schedule in conference play, Ohio State's had the easiest uh, schedule in the big Ten, and they're still three and nine. Um, and like, obviously the season, the season's like done at this point after, I I don't know what they officially got ranked at at some point, but like, they were definitely a top 25 team at early in the season, uh, 12 and two overall. And now, yeah, just, just where they're at. It's, it's just tough to see. Um, hopefully Bruce Thornton doesn't leave. I I don't, I'm purely speculating, have literally no clue. Um, but I could see him wanting a change of scenery And that's just, I think him and and Gale is where it starts is for the first 14 games, they had a legitimate case for being the best backcourt in the big 10. And now I don't, I don't know if they're top three off the top of my head. I would have to like really sit down and think about it. Um, It starts with them. And then you have no bench that key hasn't been great this year. Um, Just, it's just been rough. And then on the Indiana side, um, I will say I was very locked into Rutgers, Maryland, whatever that says about me. So I missed the first half a lot. Of, or I was just kind of more box score watching the first half of this. And then the second half turns on and I'm like, I just tweeted, I was like, is Ohio State going to do this thing again? And and turns out they did. Um, Malik Renew is really, really good at basketball and was able just to to dominate 26 points, 14 rebounds. Like He is the guy for Indiana that it feels like for most games they can count on to be their go-to guy. And then like Evan said, Trey Galloway is like, he just, he has these random games where it's, he's just like, all right, I'm going to take over really, really good at getting to his floater. He has not shot the ball well at all from three, but he does like, he's, he's in the 20%, I think for three on the year goes three of four. So you, you get that going too with it. Um, and, and that's really all they needed, right? They combined 51 points between the two players. Anthony Leo comes in off the bench, knocks down a corner three to get the, for the game winner. Um, his only and shot I think, of
2: the game.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think there was a clip I saw on Twitter of like, it was like a huddle and um, Anthony, like it was a huddle and it was Indiana. And it was sometime in the second half, Anthony Leal told them, he's like, hey, we're going to win this game right here. And I I don't know exactly what the score was at that point or anything like that. But when you look at that, and then you compare it to what we could kind of see body language wise from Ohio State, like you guys said, like heads down, just like, is this happening again? Um, and, And I think that's, that's pretty telling of the game right there.
2: Yeah, their body language. That I think they showed the the huddle before the last play of the game, and they were just oh, no. they, were, they were just cooked. Like it was, it, mm-hmm. yeah. You would have thought it was like a they were down by ten and had three seconds left instead of only down three. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah Fisherman makes some good points here. Uh, issue for Ohio State is when Felix yeah. gets some foul trouble, they have no one else, and and that was the hope this year was like Zed Key might be like uh, you know six man of the year type of candidate or something like that. And even earlier on in the season, he was he was doing well rebounding and scoring and stuff like that. And he wasn't awful in this game. He had six points on 13 minutes. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Fisherman's right. Like, you, you need some more production in there, especially some, like, defensive presence. But that's not who Zed Key is. Ever since he's, you know, lost all this weight, he just he hasn't had the defensive presence uh, that – He once did before. Um, And then, yeah, the 12 and two that you were talking about, Joe, that was right after they beat uh, Bama, um, which, you know, I still don't know how that happened, but (laughs) (laughs) it happened. Um, And I like I I jinxed them because I literally tweeted out right before that Penn State game. I was like, man, Ohio State needs to be ranked when they were 12 and two. They weren't ranked yet. Uh, (laughs) Of course, that was the first 18 point lead (laughs) of the season blown. So. I didn't. Even, I didn't even tweet anything good about Ohio State <laughs> before this game. So, <laughs> um, Brent, I think this one's for us from from Frank OSU crew. Who would you like to see as your new head coach? Fisherman uh, said Lamont Paris, the South Carolina. Uh, he seems to like Michi Johnson, so maybe Michi Johnson makes a return to Ohio State. Uh, I don't know if he has eligibility. I don't know. I never know how many how much eligibility everybody has. Yeah, it's
1: up <laughs> with all the COVID. Um, yeah, yeah Lamont Paris is actually I, I think he's from Cleveland he's from either Cleveland yeah. or Cincinnati I forget which one but he's from the state so definitely an interesting name Uh Jerome Tang I see Frank uh, bringing up I think that's another really interesting one I don't know if he'd want to jump K- Kansas State to Ohio State I don't know if that's I mean maybe a bit of a jump maybe more on the lateral side Um I, I've heard a lot of different names kind of circulating out there Um some of the like Lower, lower key, lesser known guys. Pat Kelsey is one that that's been brought up a lot. Uh The coach over at Charleston. He's another guy at the Ohio Ties who has, you know, just been kind of cruising through the mid majors um, and it's kind of one of those up and coming kind of guys. Or you could always see Ohio State just, you know, take a swing on a big man with maybe a bit of dirt like Rick Pitino or Will Wade. But Chris Beard, uh, I, I, yeah, Chris Beard. Not not sure if we're gonna we're gonna do that, but uh you, you never know if the new a d he he's he comes from the south he he just likes to land. he he doesn't care about about the baggage so uh, we'll see we'll see if we uh, take a swing like that uh
0: fisherman's saying Findlay. i don't know that's right
1: Findley. yeah lamont, lamont Paris is from finley oh
0: he's from finley okay, I was like yeah. i know Finley college but okay okay <laughs> thanks fisherman um yeah no i i i tell you i would be ecstatic to get somebody like Jerome Tang uh somebody I want that nobody else wants because of his background but at this point I'm like screw it just bring somebody in who can win uh, and that's Sean Miller uh or even Wes Miller one of those guys um, I know IU fans don't like the name Miller so I, I won't name the other one but um <laughs> but you know I I at this point I used to be one of those guys that's like no I would never want a, a cheater to you know coach at my school or anything like that and you know at the at this point I just I want there to be fans in the arena, and I want us to not blow eighteen point leads. So yeah. if Chris Beard or <laughs> what, uh, or uh, Sean Miller can make that happen, I might be okay with it. <laughs>
3: Fair not?
0: Am I crazy, Brant?
1: I don't think you're too crazy. I'm kind of along the same uh, lines as you. I ju- I just want to see your team compete again.
0: It's like at it's- a certain point, when you get so hurt, you you lose your morals. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's another guy up in West Lafayette uh, that's pretty good. Uh, Painter, I think is his name. Might be mm-hmm. It's not bad. See it.
3: <laughs> One, uh, hey, I hey, have hey. no, I have no, I have no clue if this guy is going to leave or if they'd want to take a shot. But Josh Hurts at Indiana State would, if you're like, if Ohio State's going to take like a a shot on a mid major, that seems like that's going to be the guy. No clue if he even wants to leave Indiana State this year, but that'd be just somebody else I would throw out. Yeah, and I've heard his like. Name.
2: You've heard like rumors of like things going on at Arkansas. So maybe Musselman wants out. I mean, that's another big name that is crazy enough. Never yeah. Know. And then another, another mid major that's
1: kind of circulating too. I know he had a lot of IU ties here, but Dusty May, uh, with the last two years he's had, uh, definitely going to be a really hot name on the coaching uh, market coming up here. This off season. could easily see in uh, Indiana. They, oh, sorry. Indiana fans would be so mad if he went to Ohio State. <laughs> they would. But I think that's, that's kind of the, a gamble to take as well because what's stopping him from going to indiana after woodson's done
2: mm-hmm. there's thoughts too that he may stay like supposedly his wife and then love florida so like he could step into miami when laranega retires or whatever but he never know money talks right like, do
0: you love do you love millions of dollars too
2: right yeah <laughs> 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 for midwest winters yeah <laughs> yeah
0: because Big Ten, we got millions of dollars now with all the TV stuff. Um, I was gonna say the other the other moral I'd be willing to drop is like ripping off your shirt after a a basketball game. So I'd be fine with Eric Musselman. Uh, that's another moral that I'm okay with. Chris
2: Collins does that too. You can maybe try and poach him. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Forgot about that. Uh, and he hugs and he hugs the other team's players as he he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh i love seeing coaches get ejected it's it's hilarious all right let's go to our last one uh so this is the preview of indiana and purdue coming up since we had our two purdue guys on i wanted to make sure that we uh took time to address the purdue basketball team as well uh here's your sneak peek hint uh indiana not very good purdue very good probably will be an ugly game at Mackey arena uh joe what are your thoughts
3: yeah, I mean, this is a game that Purdue should take care of. They've been dominant at home. Um, I don't see why it would be different. The only reason it would be different is that it's a rivalry game, and quite literally anything can happen in those games. Indiana bangs 4-3. It's in the first eight minutes, and, and Purdue starts 0-5, and you know, you just figure it out from there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at Purdue took care of business at Indiana, um, and, and that was a game where pretty much everybody for Purdue was clicking. It felt like even I know brain Smith shot terribly, but like he just absolutely controlled that game. It, it literally was, he just missed open jumpers for the most part. Um, I still, I think he had like what nine assists and something like mm-hmm. he just, I stuff though, the Indiana defense and um, Indiana just, they, they especially, and most teams have to make the decision, but Indiana, especially they just have to make the decision of, are you going to let Edie go for 40 and not let anything happen on the perimeter? are you going to try to take away Edie and live with what Purdue does with, with elsewhere? But like, like I said, brain Smith tore him up, um, uh, tore him up aside from literally making shots. Obviously. And I know that's, Hey, that's, it's a pretty big part of basketball. But um, F- Fletcher lawyer was really good. Lance Jones was really good. Purdue is shooting 44% from three at home. Like they're obviously, a, you know, they're a top five shooting team regardless, but at home, everybody just knocks down shots. So uh, you have to make the decision. I, I would guess that you try to just, let ed do his thing and, and he's he's had really good success against indiana in pretty much all of his games um at least individual on the individual standpoint like i don't see why this would be different uh for the indiana side renew has to just be better and purdue did a great job last game of uh, basically just making it so that way it was everybody but renew had to try to beat purdue and indiana just especially at that point i, I think they've had McBacco looks better. Um, Trey Galloway has the potential to be like a guy that can go for 20, like against Ohio state. Um, but Purdue did such a good job of making renew, just basically not really um, a big part of that game. Only had eight points and, and they did a good job of taking away that like big to big pass by like, they put ED on where they put whoever the four was on renew. And if they were going to double renew, it came from a guard and they're basically saying, shoot threes. If you hit them, well, we'll figure it out from there. And, IU wasn't terrible, 8 for 24, but they, they would have to shoot, you know, they'll have to shoot way, way better than that if they want a chance in this one. Mm-hmm.
1: Genuine question for, for you Purdue guys, just because I don't know off the top of my head. When is the last time that Purdue lost at Mackey?
3: Um, I can find it. Uh, you know, last are you year.
2: IU game, game last year? Yeah. IU game last year. So yeah, yeah, yeah Jim went off. Yeah. yeah. Jim Huchfino went great. off.
1: Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, I think mean, Jackson it was not Davis
0: game. and Mason Gillis almost got in a fight when they had their staredown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That matchy, it, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, anything can happen, like you said. Uh, last time that they lost was actually this game, but very different IU team, night and day mm-hmm. from from what we had last year. Uh, completely expect Purdue to wipe the floor. I'd I'd say it's a disappointment if you don't win by
2: <laughs> twenty plus. In this game. Um, I, I, I'm i from Indiana. I grew up around this rivalry my whole life. So I hate this game so much, especially the fact that my wife's on the other side of it too. Um, but, and so I always, this game always makes me nervous just because of, again, it's a rivalry you never know. Um, and plus, I mean, Indiana went into Illinois not too long ago and played it really, really well. Um, so that gives me a little bit of reservation, but then I also remember that, you know, for the most part this year in games that, you know, have really mattered to the, the guys who have come, you know, everybody who came back from Purdue, like they played pretty pissed off, um, you know, but they lost at Rutgers or losing the Rutgers last year. They went the Rutgers and played pissed off. They went into Indiana and played pissed off this year and did really well. So I, hopefully they remember that game from last year. And yeah, I think they, I think they should win by 20 plus. I can definitely see, you know, painter calling off the dogs a little early. He has a tendency to do that. Um, but yeah, I hopefully they can take care of business. And I was hoping last night's game would kind of put the nail in Indiana's coffin and they, just, they would come with their heads on a little low, but they might be till themselves a little bit, but hopefully Purdue can squash that pretty quickly.
0: Fisherman saying uh Purdue, congrats on your regular season title. Uh um, thank you. Yeah. So I think after the win against Wisconsin, as long as you do what you're supposed to do, it's safe. Uh you are in control of your own destiny. Uh, so that's yep. nice. Um, yeah, no, I think the I think the part of this game that is interesting is like last year IU had the players to be able to beat Purdue and they were able to play in such a way that could beat Purdue. The issue this year is They don't, like, even though they have some of the same players, they don't have, like, the same tendencies and the same abilities to do what they need to do in order to beat Purdue. Because Kalawar is, like, their only big guy who can make a difference down there. No offense to Peyton Sparks, but, you know, he's just not, he's not good enough to do that. Uh, And Malik Renu, you can't get that guy in foul trouble. He's too, he's too important to the Indiana offense for him to get in any kind of foul trouble. And uh, quite frankly, if you want to beat Purdue, you have to shoot the three ball really, really well and put pressure on them to guard the perimeter. Let's be honest, Mm -hmm. Indiana really stinks shooting the three ball (laughs) so i mean i don't remember the exact stats but there was like a you know a good part of the game i think it was at the beginning of the second half when indiana had their starters back out there and Mbako and galloway were hitting some threes and you know Mm -hmm. they were able to make some things happen but then again of course malik uh malik radu got in foul trouble and then khalil ware started getting in foul trouble and it's like your entire front court you know just basically Mm -hmm. falls away and you and you just have no no chance after that you have to have depth in order to beat purdue you have to have guard play i mean you have to you have to literally have everything in order to beat purdue mm-hmm. and iu does not have everything so
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting i think, what happens with yeah
1: oh, go ahead Brent. i was gonna say if if they want even the slightest fighting chance one they're gonna need xavier johnson healthy because gabe cups just can't play to that level yet and two they're gonna need xavier johnson and galloway just putting the most pressure anybody could put on anybody up uh, on Braden Smith and on Fletcher lawyer. Yeah. You, you just need to hammer them the entire game. And that that's the only way that, you know, because if they get the ball into ED, it's over. If they're open for a three, it's over. You just need to, I mean, it's, it's how anyone beats Purdue is just by pressuring those two guys. Um, and that they've gotten better at handling the pressure this year. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think there's a chance, but we'll, we'll see if, if Xavier Johnson's out there that, I don't know. I, I
2: still, I, I don't think there's going to be a fighting answer to the Hoosiers. I mean, you see with Ware cause it, yeah, he, uh, good chance. Cause where went down, obviously that end of the, yesterday's game went down. It was really awkwardly. So you're wondering, you know, it looks like maybe like a hyper extension. I mean, he walked off on his own power, but it was, wasn't the cleanest of walks so we'll see you know how banged up he is but they may have had the injury bug all year but yeah. he played, and he he played ed better than i thought he would the first time in bloomington because i feel like this year when he watched wear against any sort of legitimate big man he kind of he didn't have the games that he had against you know kennesaw state or something like that so so he I, I gave him credit but yeah then he got in foul trouble and that was kind of when the game really turned
1: it, it seems like where and New is walking off every single game. They're they're <laughs> always banged up, and yeah, if you if you lose one of them for any minutes at all, had Purdue's gonna go on their own.
3: Yeah. yeah, it's so far this year, like. You a lot of things have had to go both ways in order for Purdue to lose, and it's you know the, you look at both games the, that they lost at Northwestern at Nebraska. Uh, Northwestern shot fifty percent from three. Nebraska shot sixty one percent from three. Um, they got good looks. So I'm not taking that away from them, but like you just you really right now because Purdue, unlike last year, can beat you in so many ways you know, Edie can put up 35 and 14 or brain Smith can have a near triple double or Lance Jones can go for 20 or any of the role players can hit three or four threes. Now Um, you need to play a pretty perfect game, knock down threes and force turnovers. And then it's at that point, you're still just kind of hoping, right. Of You can make Edie at least Edie's going to get his, you're hoping he has to work really hard for it. And then you hope the guards have an off night, right. That Northwestern game brain Smith fell apart down the stretch. He ended up with six turnovers. Uh, The Nebraska game, they like, they Purdue just Purdue just never was quite in it. um it, it felt like, and Nebraska took advantage and knocked down an insane amount of threes. um Indiana Indiana's gonna have to do a similar thing where they you know knocked down probably twelve threes and and they forced Purdue into fourteen plus turnovers or or something like that is is pretty much the formula right now. And even then, like Purdue had a very good chance against Northwestern to win that one. The Nebraska won. They were in it, and then the final score bloomed out a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's and then both of those are on the road. It, Purdue hasn't done that at Mackey. Um, I don't even. I'm actually now that I think about it, I don't know what their closest. Oh, they they, they beat Illinois by six at yeah. home, and, and then Northwestern. Northwestern. They,
2: yeah, which the, obviously that game the score was yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit higher because of the technical free throws. But yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. true, true. And again, Northwestern that game was hitting everything they threw. They were throwing up. I mean, every they, even they if they're, they're, they're open shots. The ones that are missing, they were hitting everything when they had a hand in their face. Yeah.
0: Uh, question of the game, and this is going to be the most important part: over under thirty free throws for Purdue.
3: Um, let's see.
0: They had twenty seven. I think it was last game.
3: Okay. Um, Indiana. I'm trying to. See. So Indiana, they're about average in defensive free throw rate. Uh, that first game, Purdue had twenty seven.
2: Yep, twenty seven.
3: I don't know. I, I would say under. Probably at was, 20, 28, my twenty eight was my guess. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to guess like 24, 25, because also I think this is just out of hand. And so like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I think, think 30, I think 30 is myself.
1: a great line. I could, I could see it either way. It's um, but yeah, I mean, it, the worst job in the world to have is being a day 10 ref and refing a Purdue game just because, I mean, you, you have to blow your whistle. Every single time E D touches the ball, it's either him fouling or the defense fouling. There's just just the way he plays. He's so physical. He's so big. There's going to be elbows thrown. There's going to be hands thrown. Uh, People are going to reach and you can't call them all because you can't just stand there and blow your whistle all game. So it's it's a tough job. And people people get really upset about, um, you know, the calls they make. But at the end of the day, like, what are you supposed to do?
0: I said at the last episode, um, on Sunday, I said, we're no longer going to be talking about fouls when we cover Purdue games because it, it's just so toxic. And at the end of the day, like what the, the arguments people make are not usually that valid. Um, <laughs> yeah. I had a guy comment on the video and say, uh, what, what do you guys have against fouls? Like, what the heck you, you guys got to talk about fouls. That's what, that's a part of the game. And I'm like, well, I don't want to talk about it. So <laughs> it's not happening. I do need to go through though and figure out how many big ten games the winner who was the team who shot more free throws. You gotta figure that out. Yeah. Uh Indiana shot shot nine um last time they played Purdue to Purdue's twenty seven. So, you know.
3: We'll see. I mean that's part of what Purdue does.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We'll see if they can get over ten. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh good breakdown there. Uh any more thoughts on Purdue, Indiana
3: before we end it here. Um, no, it uh, should be a good game. Should be a pretty should be a very good environment as always at Mackey Arena. So um yeah. I'm 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 excited for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everybody's picking Purdue to win, I assume.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's stupid. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> All right, well <clears throat> that's what we got for this episode thank you everybody for joining us who was watching thank you to you guys oh uh, go ahead and tell people where they can find you at uh, if you have a podcast or a YouTube channel or anything like that Joe why don't you start us off
3: yeah you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Jackson Cbb um, lots of I do a lot of like film breakdown and things like that specifically in the big Ten uh, I have a YouTube channel called feed the post where it's more like long form video content of you know different game uh, go through some plays and of big- going out there so those are are like
0: awesome evan
3: yeah i do uh,
2: i co-host a a pretty podcast called boiler breakdown with two of my good friends um we've been lifelong friends lifelong purdue fans Uh, you can find us at boiler break pod on twitter instagram um and then my personal twitter's at uh, et underscore web i do most of my tweeting from our boiler breakdown podcast though so unless you just like retweets of purdue and music you can just might as well just follow the the boiler breakdown podcast (laughs)
0: there you go Brent. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, and then for me, uh, kind of the same as Evan, don't really do much tweeting for my personal. But you can find uh, Big Banner. I'm I'm the founder and CEO of Big Banner Sports. Find us at Big Banner Sports over on Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, uh, really wherever you find your socials. We've, we've got it up there. Uh, parent company of podcasts such as the Boiler Breakdown and the Big Ten Huddle, uh, and then check us out on our website over at BigBannerSports.com. Uh, Lots of great blog content and uh, just you can find all the podcasts that you need over there um, within the Big Ten.
0: Very good. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, Next Sunday is the Super Bowl. So uh, my wife is a big Taylor Swift fan. So we have a Super Bowl party that she has been planning. Um, You know, the only time in my life that my wife has ever planned a Super Bowl party. Um, It'll be interesting to see. I've seen like Instagram videos of like girls planning their Super Bowl parties and I gotta be honest, it's not not what I uh normally go to for Super Bowl parties. So <laughs> so we'll see what it's like. Uh so we will not be podcasting next Sunday night. Instead, me and Kent will be on on Monday night and we'll be instead of like recapping games, we'll be doing like some uh end of the season award predictions, stuff like that. We'll go through transfer of the year, freshman of the year, uh all big ten, those kind of picks and uh give some of our own preferences and then also what we think the media and stuff like that will do. It'll be at nine o'clock next Monday, Eastern time. Uh, come join us for that. And if you're in the comment section, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So thank you everybody for joining us. Have a great night. And uh, thank you guys for coming on the podcast. See ya.